Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to episode 33 of the Agree to Disagree podcast show, where we discuss news, politics, and pop culture. I'm your host, Luigi C. Let me remind you, as I do every week, we are streaming live on Facebook at Agree to Disagree show and on YouTube live as well. This is also will be available in audio format as a podcast, wherever you get your podcasts right after. Remember to subscribe and share my content to whoever you think would enjoy it. And I, as I do every week as well, I encourage you to write in your questions and comments to make this uh, an interactive show. Uh, the more act, you know, the more comments we get, the more action we get, the better this is for everyone involved. Guys, this evening, my guest is a political expert. What I what I consider a political expert and commentator uh, from Montreal. So please give a round, warm round of applause and welcome Nicholas. Pidiktakis. Damn those Greek names. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You, you you did it well, Luigi. You did it well, Luigi, though. Yeah. Many, I, I, many, many people have uh have said it wrong, but you know what? I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? Just call me by my first name and I'll be okay with that. I, I was practicing. I was pra- and, and you know what? Especially when I had George on, you know George. Oh right? god. Uh, yeah, t- of course. Forget I'm not even gonna change. Even I have a difficulty saying his last name like Sandrizos. So, so even I have a difficulty. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. First of all, Nicholas, thank yeah. you so much for doing the show tonight. Um, it's my honor. It's my pleasure. I, I came across you, uh, your your appearance on uh, the Saturday afternoon podcast with Joey Laflamme from the Dirty Podcast, uh, Dirty Four Podcast, and I was so impressed, so impressed with you. By the way, we're going to be on together on Saturday. On his show. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I can't wait. So, but I did say, I said, I have to have this guy on my show. Um, I was so intrigued uh, at your knowledge and just the, the various discussion levels that we could have in terms of politics. Uh, we're both a little bit sort of uh, political junkies uh, and uh, found yeah. out we both, we both studied uh, politics at Concordia University, correct? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so for 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 those of us, for those uh, watching and listening, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did this love come from in politics? And um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, just to introduce myself. My name is uh, Nicholas, though I usually just say Nikos because I am a, a Greek Canadian. Uh, I studied political science and history. Did a double major at Concordia University from 2010 to 2015. I took, I really, I'd say, focused a lot on American uh, politics and government at Concordia University. So you may have seen him, I think, on CTV uh, Montreal. Uh, they always pluck a Professor Graham Dodds uh, yes. from Concordia's uh, poli-sci department. He was actually my professor for oh, okay. at least three 
of the classes, actually three or four of the classes that I took. So like the typical intro to political science, the poly mm-hmm. tool to the white hole that they phased it out for something else. Uh, I took like a politics of the U.S., uh, poly 310. I took like a one of those uh, like 400 level seminar mm-hmm. classes that kind of prepares you if you want to go into um, into like a graduate work, uh, mm-hmm. like, a, like a special class talking about uh, like how things have changed a lot in the United States in terms of like the concentration of power towards the executive uh, versus like how like the Congress doesn't have as much of a say anymore mm-hmm. in terms of the daily governance. And then I took another course with him. It was a 300 level special seminar that uh, dealt with just the American presidency and the reason why, for example, right now we have President Biden um, who not even in the first day of office when he was sworn in on the Capitol, uh, he was writing off all of the executive orders or unilateral presidential directives. So like people are asking, how can the president do it? Well, I took a class that uh, dealt with the, with that reality. And he sort of said like, this is what, like he, like he said, okay, this is what we look at in terms of the constitutional reality, what the founders and the framers said in like the federalist papers and the anti-federalist mm-hmm. papers, and then how, Every how after every administration is always trying to seek more and more power from the Congress via legislation or via like posturing, because like mm-hmm. there's always that conflict between Congress, uh, the presidency, and of course the Supreme Court as well. So you always have that. So many multi-layered, uh, yeah, fashions. It's it's incredible. It's incredible, yeah. and it yeah. reminds me a little bit of uh, not to the same level in Canadian politics. But tonight, I, what I wanted to do is uh, just for us, uh, by by the way, a lot of people saying hi. Melanie Asaf says, hey, guys, what's up? Let's do this. Uh, hey, course, Melanie. A regular, a regular hey, to the Peter. show, Dario Vitali says yes. hi. Peter says hi. Dario. What's up from the Dirty Four? Jess Sorrell, uh, loyal uh, listeners uh, to, to all of us. She's a huge, uh, huge supporter to all the Montreal podcasts. Uh, thanks, Jess, for I your know. support. And she says, hi, I Captain. Know. <laughs> and uh, Captain Yolo. So before we get into tonight, uh, like I told you off air, I wanted to discuss for those of you watching again and listening, wanted to discuss Canadian and Quebec politics and some other general things yeah. that I, I would love to to get your opinion on and how you see it. And um, if we could mm-hmm. agree to disagree on a few things, we'll see. I, I have a feeling <laughs> we're, we're probably going to agree on a lot of things. That's that's the that's that's the thing. That's so, fine. Um, yeah, uh, but before we do. Please yep. explain that fantastic T-shirt that you're wearing. <laughs> so for those of you well, that can't see the image, of it, just listening to the podcast, he has Ronald Reagan just pulling a finger <laughs> at God knows where. So please do explain. <laughs> okay, Perfect. so no, I, I thought first because we need a laugh today of all days, given that, yes. for example, unfortunately, we're still in a red zone situation in Montreal and the Val and the surrounding region. So I thought we needed a laugh. And Ronald Reagan certainly was one of the more hilarious presidents in terms of how he conducted himself while in office and before, because I know for a fact that he was very active in the Hollywood scene. I, I always go back to watching uh, his appearance, his multi, his a few appearances on the Dean Martin uh, oh roasts, which were like the equivalent to like what we have now, like the Comedy Central roasts. Well, the Dean Martin roasts were what was up way back in the day, and they are the most hilarious it, thing ever. Like Don Rickles at his prime, you see Orson Welles, you see uh, Nipsey Russell, you see many of these such giants. Yes. Yeah. Lucio, and Lucio he, Ball. Uh, yeah. Guys, if, if, if you've never seen it, I could... 
I agree again with 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 Nicholas on this. I think it is the funniest thing ever on television, ever in the, yep. the history of television. The, so witty, uh, no holds barred, just nasty, but so intelligent. I know. And just, I know. Oh, just a Sammy Davis Jr. Remember that? with with Frank Sinatra? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Oh my Frank God, my Sinatra! God. My goodness. Uh, also, I think George Burns was on that as yes. well. Yes. Uh, but I remember specifically there's this one moment that I always watch, and it always makes me laugh my ass off. Uh, where Nipsey Hussle, Nipsey Russell, the 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 the, the African American co- like poet uh, and comedian, he oh. came on and he and he ripped Ronald Reagan, saying, "Yeah, we were brothers," and like uh, like, "Oh, I'm gonna tan your hide," and like, I, "You got away, and look what happened to me after." It's like we need to get back to that. Like really the do. thing that made those roasts the best, like the like the best ever, and this is where you know Don Rickles. I think it was Don Rickles. Yeah, it was Don Rickles before he passed away. He said, he said, and this is where again we need to get back to this. He if he felt if he did not insult any specific group of mm-hmm. people, he failed as his job as a comedian and as an entertainer. He went after everybody regardless of who they were. Are, so, we really, are we really going to go there, Nick? We're on the polar opposite of where we were, I think, in the heyday. Sadly, uh, sadly, sadly, yeah. and, and 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 it's and it's and I and I know that we could take that where we just and because it's in the word actual political correctness, PC culture, yeah. and 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 yeah. we're gonna. I have a feeling that we're gonna we're gonna intertwine into our conversations tonight. So. Yeah, I'm gonna tr- try. Yeah. We'll see if I could. I don't know if we could ever avoid that. Not with the context that we're living in today. Um, so, Sadly, so what, yeah. I, what I wanted to um, start off with is is just mm. the the current general status and current condition of Canadian politics. Um, mm-hmm. w- what I what I mean by that more in more in detail is what I feel mm-hmm. without getting angry because I want to try to have an actual intellectual discussion here of course oh, i get um, that the damage that um the liberals are doing and when i say liberals i'm talking about uh of course on the the canadian level on the federal level are doing culturally economically and to our international reputation from yeah from endless scandals to the we scandal to the handling yeah. of the omar Qadar. Uh, the handling of the yeah. pandemic, which maybe we could get into a little bit more details into that, pipeline issues, handling of the native mm-hmm. issues. It, it seems that there was, I don't know if you saw, I don't know if we had discussed this. Um, I s- discussed this with Joey. It was an article, mm-hmm. a scathing article from the National Post uh, about yeah, how think... the liberal government cannot get anything right. Yeah. So, no. I get I get where you're getting at, and I read that article. Sorry to 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 interrupt no, no, in any way, sense, or form, but I saw uh, that article, and a lot of it can be sort of looked at in terms of the fact that the liberals are, like any party, is beholden not only to their own internal base, because their mm-hmm. own internal base elects through you know the nomination contests that determine who gets to be the candidate, but as well. A lot of it has to do with interest groups uh, and other uh, groups that try to influence government outside of the, the the formal political system. So outside of parliament, outside of the Supreme Court, uh, outside the public service, uh, so like the, the bureaucracy mm-hmm. uh, based in Ottawa and elsewhere across Canada. So government itself and 
the administration itself is often a reflection, is often a carbon copy of those interest groups, of foundational values, of, you know, the constitutional realities. So, for example, um, the reason why, like, whenever we talk about health, the reason why Canada Canada's response to the health crisis has been uh, less than stellar for certain people or why it's not united is a simple constitutional reality it's the provincial governments according to section 92 of the of our constitution the constitution Mm -hmm. act of 1982 and even from before but was more codified in 1982 when pierre elliott trudeau uh was in office and he repatriated that constitution away from the uk because we have to remember before if we wanted to make any changes or amendments to the constitution we actually have to go all the way to the uk and ask you know margaret thatcher or i don't know uh, winston churchill (laughs) to approve such an amendment so after that now we have total control of our constitution right now so going back to your initial question about the pandemic and the health thing well the federal government's role in healthcare is to have some coordinating role historically some sort of coordinating role making sure through like every year we have the budget that's passed every april because like right now everyone is scrambling to file their taxes uh i've certainly had a whirlwind uh trying to get one simple document from my bank because i made the contribution to my rsp i'm like guys where's the document just give me a pdf that's it that's all i want to file my taxes for goodness sakes though if i could say this given that i've had I would say the luxury and the privilege of working from home this entire time. I've spent an ungodly amount of money yes. in the local and international economy, so I shouldn't be paying any taxes. I stimulated. The, I, I'm the one that kept the economy on life support, for goodness well, sake. Yeah, but all of anyways, us did. Yeah. So, there's so much. To, your, your first answer brings me into, like, I don't know how many directions. So, okay. I always, you know, we we make fun of the Americans saying how, and, yeah. and there could be an argument to be made about social health care. Um, could Nick, can we say honestly that our healthcare system, and it is socialized, is it really working? L- 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 you know, w- when I say is it really working, is my point is when you have to pay, you find yourself in this situation that by probably by May. The vast majority of 350 or 360 million Americans, for those who want it, will be vaccinated. Where we have a country of where are we at now? 36 million, 37, 38 million roughly, in Canada. Roughly. Okay. 36 We're, to 37, yeah. Okay. Considered a, a first world. And we rank worth basically three months behind all first world countries in terms of, of, of uh, immunization. Number two, we rank, I don't know where we rank, 50th or 60th in the world. And just mm-hmm. the general handling of this pandemic has been a, a shit show, okay, on mm-hmm. all levels. I know, um, I know. So so it, it brings into question, right, because can you say, oh, did the pandemic do this to the to, to healthcare? And, and we could talk about Quebec healthcare. No, because healthcare was already in shambles in Quebec. Now they just have an excuse, right? So how do you over overrun an already desolate and 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 completely disorganized where the left doesn't speak to the right hand on all levels whether it be now federal because they're handling of this that they can't even they, they didn't they didn't see this coming that you you don't have an, a canadian company you think that these companies they're not going to first of all 
produce for their own countries first off oh we have the the the, the capability but just we don't have the companies to make this the the, the just the hindsight the, the forward thinking the, there's none there's none and my my question to you is let, let's mm-hmm. let me try to go into one thing healthcare mm-hmm. do do we need to relook at healthcare do we really need to i, I think we do because you know it's our universal right to have health care, yes. But you mm-hmm. know what, Nick? The more and more as it goes, when I'm waiting 16 hours just to get an MRI or or uh you know, sitting because I, I had a herniated disc, 16 hours in pain, or Ouch. I hear other stories. Um uh, yeah. yeah, I hear stories just and it never ends, right? Um it just why can't we get anything right? Why? Is it just well well first to sort of start answering your question, I know it's often a heavy at question. times, no, no, no. I'll do my best to to, to answer it. Um, the first thing that we have to look at, from, from what I'm thinking of right now, off the top of my head, is before when, for example, and I remember this was particularly apparent uh, when uh, not François Legault but his predecessor uh, Couillard, yes, uh, the liberal leader, when he was in office from 2014 to 2018 they made an aggressive push to uh cut the to cut the amount of spending that was happening across the board in Quebec to try to balance uh the provincial budget to their to the best of their abilities and unfortunately many of those cuts happened in the healthcare system where Barrett who I think was the health minister at the oh, time boy. yes uh, yeah Barrett yeah Gaetan Barrett was the health minister at the yes, time. Him and uh, Carlos Lieto, who was one of the the, the, the liberal uh, MNAs uh, in the West Island. I don't I don't remember exactly what riding he is, but he's in, out in the West Island. Yes. They really cut a lot into the healthcare system, which severely depleted our ability to respond to just normal situations like surgeries, like uh, MRIs for you or other things that people need like cancer screenings and mammograms and all that stuff so already that was that didn't give us a good position uh there another thing is and this is a um, getting into the maybe a little into the language issue like you have a lot of people coming uh from around the world coming to montreal they have medical degrees they have medical experience but there's the language issue as yes. well where they're perfectly qualified they have their like you could they could do ref- if they if they need to ask for references of course ask for references we want to make sure that the people working are the best possible mm-hmm. people like for me i i was in your position uh, a couple of years ago where i had and i'm a, i wouldn't say i'm embarrassed to say this but like in hindsight i mean it's good that you said the chatter herniated disc but for me I had a what is called an anal uh, fissure, which mm-hmm. is a, a cut in the wall of the rectum, and it was not at all comfortable. Like it caused me a lot of pain. I so it's not the first time I hear this. Luckily, I never had it. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. That's like thank goodness for diet changes and a whole host of other things that have helped me avoid getting it. But I said when I tried calling my my clinic. Uh, in uh, like a clinic that I go to close to Vendome Metro, like that's where my doctor is, like my general practitioner. Mm-hmm. I called them up, said, I'm in this position. Can can someone just take a quick look and prescribe to me something that I need to get better? They gave me another uh, clinic number. I was able to get in contact with them. 
And in about a day or two, I was able to to speak with someone on the weekend, which was incredible. Okay. So my personal experience in moments of pain, in moments where I needed it, was okay. But unfortunately, that's not the reality for a lot of people, again, because of budget cuts. Because again, not everyone is a doctor. Another thing that I've thought of, uh, maybe something that should be said, is that if let's say we have people who want to become doctors, nurses, or special like specialists, like um, like dermatologists, for example, if let's say they want to make that decision to practice, they become perfectly bilingual in French and English because we do need that. We do need doctors and nurses that are able to communicate with their patients clearly and properly. If let's say they make that decision to to practice, maybe say, hey, you have any sort of debt that you've accumulated while going to school because you're doing us a service by helping the population be healthy. Let's wipe the debt off. You know, when people are saying, oh, let's wipe student debt across the board. Well, hold on. Hold on. Let's do that for, for people who are in careers that are actually doing a public service like doctors, nurses, specialists, support staff. I can maybe say, do something I, I, like that. I like, I like that idea. I like that idea because that 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 has been discussed a lot. And once again, it it, it whew, I'm in so much. I think we would need five hours of of the show. Um, <laughs> so so here's a, a great. So just to go back to what you're saying, I'm going to give you a great example. Yeah. A friend of mine that married my best friend's sister. Okay. Mm. Uh, so my best friend's brother-in-law, originally from Ontario. Okay. Mm-hmm met uh, his future wife in Quebec, Mm -hmm. started studying here, continued studying at McGill, I believe, and finished his doctorate uh, Mm -hmm. in Ontario and wanted to practice uh, medicine here. He, He graduated as a specialist in plastic surgery for burn victims. Okay. 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 Yes. He just could, Nicholas, he, he just could not grasp the French and he could not pass the French. Okay. So what happens here? The brain drain leaves. He wanted to stay here. Yeah. Wanted, leaves, goes to, I uh, believe in Vermont or Albany. I won't even tell you how much he's making because you would probably just, all of us would fall off our chair. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant at the, actually at this point. But here goes is a great example. Wanted to raise his his, his family in here. His wife course, speaks spoke French. Spoke French. His kids would likely speak French. But it's a doctor, Nicholas. It's a doctor. He would most likely have worked at McGill University uh, at the MUHC. Really, maybe his French would have gotten a little bit better. But really, yeah. Come on, like there has to be exceptions. This this language issue cannot cannot see where where. It, <laughs> I get so frustrated. I get so frustrated. I, I, I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. It's because I mean I don't want to. You know I want to discuss that after. But here's there's there's certain things like you said before. There's certain levels. There's certain uh, um, occupations that honestly language should not matter. Honestly, language should not, especially when it comes to a doctor, a special specialist on top of that, Nicholas. Mm. Really. And that's mm-hmm. going to, because we do have English hospitals, he's going to end up working at an English hospital, right? Yep. Yep. So, um, 
you know, here's a good friend of mine, Tony Chichi says, you wipe their debts away, but who's stopping them from moving away? Well, there could be some safeguards well, in, in, into that. Well, one safeguard to think of in terms of wiping debt is, okay, you make the decision to start. You start. If, let's say, you stay on for a certain amount of time, then a certain percentage of your debt is wiped away just to set, just to incentivize you to continue to work. And if you, if let's say you make the decision to work in a remote area, so up north, yeah. or to work with like an indigenous, because uh, like the indigenous uh, people across Quebec, like across Canada, they need that they need that support more than ever, given historical uh, issues that have affected them. And I'm certainly very sensitive to those issues, mm -hmm. uh, given my study of Canadian history. So um, if let's say they make the decision to, to move up north and to actually relocate up north, like their whole family and all that, then an even greater percentage of their debt should be wiped off. Because again, they're doing us a service. I'm so, so glad. That could be one way. That's such a great idea. I really never even thought of that, of that handling because this whole thing about wiping. I mean, in the states, it's a growing movement, and uh, I mean that that that's just ridiculous. To, what's to sort going of on a, in the to, to, to sort of address that, like I've actually taken some time to think about it. Like, why don't they? Like, when we're talking about, for example, debts in general, like if, if be it government debt or student debt, sure, there are, there is the issue of uh, I would say to raise the money itself like you know maybe increasing or decreasing taxes filling in the loophole like closing loopholes or stuff like that well you're missing the other half of the equation which is expenditures or the costs like many of these schools that charge all of these tuition fees like why don't they actually take the time necessary to see maybe we shouldn't have all of these bureaucracies in place or these like these things that objectively don't make sense like all of these what uh like dr gadsat i think has alluded to a couple of times and again like yes. everyone like read his book uh read his new book the, the, the parasitic mind like read it it will inoculate you it's Guys, given but, me something by the way yes let's support a montreal international star professor from concordia university he's if you don't want to read his book he's been on with jordan peterson my yeah. my my hero uh he's been on uh, numerous times on joe rogan he's become now friends with yeah. joe rogan so listen to this man oh i just just love him and he's he's a he's a montreal treasure uh montreal treasure let's let's, let's leave it at that so i totally agree with you again yeah. there um yeah so mike rocco says to, oh, yeah. well just when doctors are making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year do we really need to wipe their debt i don't think it, it, it's 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 not it's not really guys listen i've always said this let me let me just give my 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 opinion on this doctors nurses teachers mm -hmm. there's no there's no limited amount that i would i would pay these people the people that and, and let me add that as well the, the one that take care of our old and sick and there's no amount of money that i would pay these people for what they do in our society because think about it yeah. guys you could judge a society on how they treat their elderly yeah how they treat their children and how they yep. care for their elderly and children. So without all yep. these people, where would we be? You could judge yeah. any civilization from the beginning of yep. civilization, from the beginning in history. Okay? Yep. So if we don't have that, and if we don't take care of these people like we have not done in Quebec, mm -hmm. clearly not taking care of our nurses, clearly I not know. taking care of our, our uh, what, what are they called? Uh, 
uh, orderlies and orderlies and benefits. Uh, yeah. It's, and, and trust me, I do mortgages, guys. Never mind what what Legault did not that he gave them the raise. I used to do their mortgages and I used to see how much they were they were be, being paid. It was poverty level, Nicholas. Poverty level. I know. Okay. I know. It's it's despicable that a person that is taking care of your grandparents, your parents, you're paying them poverty. That that's all I could say. I know. So I know I have no problem paying these people these any type of amount of money because it's justified, like you said before. Um, I know. Mike Rocco again says offer tax credits, income tax perks, and premium retirement plans now wiping out their debts. Okay, Morocco, but Mike, it's an idea. It's an idea I, that all we're doing is throwing around ideas, but all of these yeah. ideas, Nicholas, doesn't get us around the language issue, right? The brain drain of I the know. language issue. I know. Or so. again, to sort of get back, because I just want to make, uh, I just yep. want to sort of uh, emphasize the point that I wanted to make in terms of costs. Well, the, many of these universities are often paying for things that objectively don't make sense again like a lot of like the growing bureaucratization at the university level so like a lot of like departments and support things that don't make any sense like again a lot of these like die like diversity inclusion and equity initiatives which just drain uh money like again i understand the necessity to have you know a representative population just let it happen naturally don't <laughs> force it because that's where a lot of the tension is, that, where a lot of that tension is. Or, um, like, when I was at Concordia University, like, the one service at the university that I actually depended on and helped me out was that they had their medical clinic in the GN building, like, the, the, the general admi uh, administration building mm -hmm. next to the metro. That makes sense to have, you know, a clinic that's fully stocked, fully ready, has, you know, all that stuff that you need. They have doctors and nurses there that could take care of students and staff. Like that makes sense. Yeah. To have Absolutely. that level of support makes sense. But to look at all of these other things, like just get rid of all of the like all of the unnecessary administrators. Like, sure, you have your department, you have your all your professors, you have like your one, uh, I would say receptionist slash uh, admin like uh, like receptionist uh, person that takes care of the mailboxes and helps uh, professors and students. Say, okay. A student comes and says, hey, where's the professor's office? The, the person can guide them there. That's understandable. To have someone there who can, a couple of academic advisors, yeah, you need those people to help advise Absolutely. students who don't know yes. what's going on. Another person, of course, to help students hook up with uh, potential internships. That we need. But when you have other things that just drain the money and as well as maybe some of the, the salaries that we're paying, you know, like the president of the university or the chancellor of the university, like cut it. Well, cut those salaries and find actual ways. But another part of the problem is, and again, uh, I'm sorry, I just want to get this off my, no, my no, chest. Often at times, this issue was compounded by unions. Now, I want to be absolutely clear. Unions now or before served their purpose, we needed unions to fight for things that we needed, like weekends, uh, regulated hours, benefits, and all that. And there could still, there is still a place for unions. But then, when a union or even any interest group in general is just so intransigent, it just doesn't, like they don't budge at all and recognize the situation. Then that's a problem. Well, 
I uh, I agree with you 100%. I say unions are the scourge on productivity in 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 any society because you take away any type of incentive the minute that you know that you you could literally shoot someone and you might get fired from a job. Mm-hmm. Other other than short of shooting someone or or beating someone to death during or even killing whatever Right during your shift at work, you're not going to get fired. So it takes away all incentive of productivity mm-hmm. and knowing that you have this protection. I agree with you 100%. Unions, I think, have been the scourge of, of, of the world when it comes to to any civilized society. Um, Mike Rocco says a brain drain is a major problem here in Quebec. The issue needs more exposure. Um, I think yeah. it has. Get, yeah, I think it has gotten uh, exposure. Uh, one other question I want to get to you, he, uh, yeah. uh, Dario Vitali's loyal listener, wanted to know um, what, uh, as per your expertise. Ah, uh, uh, okay, I can answer that question with, uh, yeah. with confidence. Yeah. So the one thing that I do all the time when I look at that question is I trust the website QC one two five or three three eight Canada. Uh, founded by that professor from uh, Le Cégep de Vieux-Saint-Laurent, which is next to uh, Vanier College. Yeah. He set up he set up those websites that provide accurate polling data. Now, last I checked, uh, the Liberals are still polling high, but still they're not at a point where they can recapture a majority of the House of Commons. They're often uh, fluctuating between 34 to 36 or 34 to 38 percent one historically needs 40 to 42 percent to capture the majority in the house of commons so the 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 conservatives despite we charity scandal uh the ungodly amount of uh stimulus spending which again my generation is gonna have to pay off and i'm scared shitless (laughs) for that and i have a couple of ideas uh that i'd like to maybe discuss on that issue uh moving forward um the ungodly amount of spending, some of the ethical lapses, the way that, for example, uh, Trudeau uh, treated uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, during the uh, the SNC-Lavalin scandal, which is like, oh, wow, what's going on right here? Yep. Come on. Um, now, to talk about Legault, he's in a very strong position. He somehow, he and the CAC have somehow managed to convert a lot of soft core nationalist sentiment that typically voted for the Parti Québécois, he somehow focused that sentiment into just a hardcore nationalist Québécois, like a, like a hardcore Québécois nationalism that has solidified his position. And right now, according to the last uh, poll that I saw on QC125 that focuses specifically on those polling numbers, like he's on record to getting like a, an even bigger majority that he had between 80 to 90 seats in the national assembly but that's like two-thirds super majority like he like he's there's even the possibility of him getting a few extra seats in montreal laval and in the surrounding areas like it's okay so here's see so i answered uh by the way dario we 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 speak off air and and i have answered him the same way what worries me is and I need to understand. I really need. I'm the type that I need to educate our our our, our my listeners and my watchers. Of course, of course. And also try to understand because myself, I don't know if you could explain. I what you just said disturbs me, and I know it's the truth. Disturbs mm-hmm. me 
beyond the shadow. I know that the voters' memory is very short-term. They're going to forget about Legault's handling of this disaster that he put us into a curfew like concentration camps for one year, uh, late to the party. Um, but besides that, and then look, and then on the federal level, look, I mean, <laughs> Trudeau's endless, and the liberals' endless scandals and their handling and the way they've ruined our image on the international stage but what you're telling me and everyone watching nick is that does all of this doesn't even matter so what my point is what does it say about all canadian and quebecois voters so i want to know how did Legault manage even in fucking today's age when i say that to manage to again bring this down to language and how the fuck does does Trudeau manage to blind everyone with all these scandals that you, it, it, it took you at least five, six minutes to name them all, but yet none yeah. of this matters. Why? Why? What, what matters? Language. Nick? Well, language is always going to be that open wound that whatever party is in power in Quebec will always seek to exploit to try to furnish some sort of nationalist image. Again, I can understand to an extent, because again, I've studied like Canadian and Quebec uh, history at Concordia as well. Like I did that as well, aside from poli-sci. A lot of people, like once, like you start to like, how can I best, how can I best uh, say this? How can I best say this? Just give me a second. Um, past, like, Wounds often take a long time to heal, both okay. physically and mentally or emotionally. And given that now uh, the, the the Quebecois people, by and large, have found a sense of like have found their I would say their mojo ever since like Rene Levesque first took uh, power with the Parti Quebecois way back in the day. Like once they've sent have felt that sense of like empowerment, they don't want to give that up. So there's that. Um, they always see themselves as being, and this is the common expression, an island of French in a sea of English amongst the Anglo-Canadians elsewhere around Canada, and of course we border the United States. Mm -hmm. So they feel that it is, like, culture itself is often defined by a couple, like two, three things. So be it language, cuisine, uh, religion. For the Quebecois here, language is that central thing in their culture okay i i i couldn't i could and and i do and i've i've made it a point as i get older and more wise to understand their point of view but i see it as they're fighting a fight that they've already won nicholas mm -hmm. there's no there's no fight left there's nothing to fight for there's nothing left to protect there's nothing but yet you are making this an issue anytime any politician and it doesn't doesn't have to be Legault, even the liberals do it and everyone else I mean they're the one the liberals that that invented 101 it is mm -hmm. that brought it into into existence is you know will we live in this cloud of stupidity and lunacy in this province stopping us from realizing our potential as a province i don't think we ever will nicholas because honestly the things that happen in this province are, yeah. are mind-boggling. I don't see this handling. I don't see this. I don't see it's this. It's the red. You know it, how, how the... politics and language could 
basically choose your GM and coach for your professional sports team in Montreal. How pathetic are you as a culture when you make politics and language as a businessman at the Molson family, and I'm calling at the Molson family, should be disgusted, honestly, disgusted of their handling of, of this. And I'm not even a Montreal Canadiens fan. Okay, I'm a Bruins fan, by the way. But this is the is this the only professional team on the planet that makes politics and language rule the way they run their private business? It's it's so discouraging. It's cowardness by the Molson family. It's it's despicable. So I think we will never ever 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 see the full potential of our province because we're backwards and. If you decide to live here, guys, it's always going to be like that. You have to accept it. It's it's we we live in a backward thinking province. That's my opinion. That's my ideally opinion. for for me ideally, and I know I'm being super ideal here. Like, can't we just can't like just like the rest of Canada like learn how to speak French and like come back to speak English? Like, the, if we were fully bilingual as a country, like across the board the level of competitiveness and the level and the ability for us to just compete across the global economy would be unparalleled because we would be able to touch so many different markets at the same time. Like when they say, Oh, we need to protect language. Well, I agree that we have to protect languages, but French isn't the language that we need to protect. <laughs> the language yeah. that we need to protect are the various indigenous languages that were whole scale wiped out. It's tragically, by residential schools, by the 60s scoop, and by all of these other things that legitimately should terrify people. Like, those are the languages that we need to protect. Like, the Law 101 has done its damage, or it, it's Thank done you. its deed. For me, Thank like, you. another thing that I need to say is, as someone who is, uh, like, a second-generation uh, Greek-Canadian, and I can imagine you feel the same way, Luigi, as you are Italian, Yes. When they say, oh, you have three years to learn the language or get the hell out, excuse me, but you have to realize that we have three languages battling for dominance on our head. Yeah. You have a compulsion to learn, to want to guard the Italian language. For me, it's very, I, 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 I'm not at all fluent in Greek, unfortunately, because mm -hmm. my parents had to make the principal decision way back in the day to focus on English because English is the international business. Uh, language right makes sense so yeah. once english was good now i'm making strides on bettering my french but I'm, it's still long going because i still and i can imagine a lot of people make mistakes on the masculine the feminine or the singulier le pluriel and all the verb conjugations which just like it's 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 difficult now for someone like me it's a little easier because my basic line my first language is greek technically yes. greek and french have similarities in turn, because like Greek is one of the foundational languages within the Romantic language family. The Latin, While yeah, someone Latin, who is from, yeah. yeah, the La the Latin-based languages or like the yes. European languages, aside from maybe Hungarian, which is completely different. Mm -hmm. While someone who's coming in from China or Japan or Korea or somewhere where the base of language is completely separate, it's going to take them a lot longer to learn. So we need to have a culture if they want to. If they want to look at this issue of preserving language, and again, I have no difficulty, I have no problem at all speaking French when I need to. I will Same do my here. absolute best. Same here. And I'm encouraged by the fact that more and more of the clients that I speak to, although again, publicly I can't say for who, 
although mm-hmm. you know privately before. Yes. Um, I'm encouraged when a lot of the Quebecois clients that I speak to say, hey, I like the fact that you're making an effort or like you're speaking it very well and they're surprised that I know three languages. We need a culture that is less vicious. We need a culture that's far more understanding and we need a culture that's far more patient. Like I'm making an effort here, folks. Give me some breathing room. Stop making... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry if I'm... No, I I was just going to... See, that's the thing is that I, I... Truly believe that the Quebecois appreciate all the efforts that we've made over the years and that we continue to do. Okay. Um, what I have a problem with is that I don't think they see, and when I say the general population of Francophones, they don't see this as a problem. It's the politicians mm-hmm. that make this an issue when it's not an issue because they have mm-hmm. nothing else to go for going for them. Mm-hmm right, in terms of platforms. So they always resort back to what they know is going to touch a chord in Quebec politics, right? So, but what, and I've said this so many times, here is my biggest issue. This is me, you may say, you know what, Luigi, it's very simplistic. I've had numerous conversations with Francophone clients and friends over the years. And when we get to know each other and they say, puis Luigi, tes enfants, ils vont à l'école anglais. Je dis oui. So how many languages do they speak? I said, well, they speak uh, they speak two and three. They understand Italian and, you know, oh, it's, it's yeah. so beautiful. It's it's unbelievable. It's, you know, it's, it's great. And I just wish mm-hmm. we could. And I see the pain in their eyes because I'm a, I'm a parent. I have a problem. Here's my biggest problem. When mm-hmm. a government tells you, Nick, you... We're going to decide what language and which schools your kids are going to go to. When government puts it in a law that a Francophone family cannot send their kids to English school, that is, to me, the biggest travesty in Quebec history. And nothing's ever going to change because no one will ever have the courage to open up Bill 101 whether it be the liberals or whatever party in a hundred years, because like I I've always said, it's it'll be political suicide. So that is my well politics playing literally in your bedroom. Politics saying we're gonna decide how you raise your family. Think about it, Nick, for I a know. second. I know. I know. How Unfortunately for me. Fortunately for me, and fortunately because like my mom was born here in Montreal in 1959, and she went to English school before the adoption. So I I'm lucky, and that I can sort of bring on any future kids that I may have to an English school. Though I noticed that the two English schools that I went to, so like for primary school, I went to Cedar Crest Elementary in uh, Valsilaral. I then went to Lorne Hill Academy for my high school in Valsilaral as well. Like I was in the EMSB before way back in the day when this was an issue like the protestant school board of greater montreal Mm -hmm. the fact that both schools are now french immersion first before english like that i'm like what's going on here what i to sort of say this and i just want to get this off my my chest again uh, luigi if you don't mind no no i remember when your show when yeah (laughs) thank you um i remember when remember when uh uh, Francois Legault said that we need to confront this whole cancel culture happening mm-hmm. on college and university campuses. Well, all power to that. We need that. Yes. But then him 
and everyone in Quebec has the obvious blind spot. And that the second people even dare to question, like what happened to uh, Emanuela Lambropoulos when she had the audacity to ask the objective question, show me statistical proof. There is no harm in asking for statistical proof. And the fact that even liberal members, like cabinet members, like my own MP, uh, Melanie Jolie, are like, I'm living in a Hunsik Cartierville here. Mm, God, I. Anyway. <laughs> well, be- beautiful place. I'm going to say beautiful, beautiful no, borough. I'm ta- I love yeah, the I'm area. Talking Mel- I'm talking about Melanie, Melanie Jolie. By the way, George, your compatriot, took me to task when I was trying to protect her for asking that question. And he says, what's well, not something you do? I said, why, George? Why can't you go outside the box? Why can't you ask? She asked a significant question that was was based in statistics. Show me fucking numbers. Show me numbers. What's wrong with that? It's political. So I don't care. She asked a legitimate question. Then her old party throws her under the bus. Why should I even be surprised? That level level of cancel culture that... that was approaching Emanuela and the fact that liberal members of parliament and even cabinet members like uh, Melanie Jolie were going after her in that cartoon that 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 La Presse published. Like yes. the fact that the Greek community responded, oh, this cartoon is sexist. Like, sure, I can understand the sexism argument. And Pantelis certainly said something about this, yes. I think, on his live I show. On, I, saw uh, I saw that. Yeah. But the fact that there was that other issue, like, sure, again, Confront council culture and the so-called social justice warriors in college and university campuses. We need that. Any mm-hmm. sort of authoritarianism, be it from the, the the activists on campus or this level of authoritarianism that we're seeing in Quebec in terms of the language issue or what's going on in the in China right now, like any sort of authoritarianism must be challenged. When I they when they totally render, agree. when they render. Any sort of ideas, be it a secular-based uh, form of ideas like the language issue of Quebec mm-hmm. or religious ideas like what we're seeing, for example, with uh, what happened with the uh, Charlie Hebdo cartoons in, uh, in, France, in France and that teacher uh, who showed the cartoons in a class simply for historical context. When any sort of group of people render their ideas, when they t- attempt to render their ideas as... Uh, immutable, like the, you cannot criticize them at all. You can't criticize criticism, parody, satire, all of that. You can't do that. It shows how weak they are, yeah. how weak those group, like the group of ideas are. Nothing in this life, and no, like no set of ideas or no set of values is above criticism. Everything can be criticized, Perfectly of course. Said. On the issue of free speech, on the issue of free speech, I am a free speech absolutist, mm-hmm. like Dave Rubin, who, who says it all the time. Of course, free speech. Two caveats: fire in the theater, of course, mm-hmm. and using speech to directly advocate violence towards a group, of, one person or a group of individuals. Yeah, no, we have to have logical limits. So, well, Nicholas, it, it doesn't. It doesn't help when our prime minister says there within free speech there are limits when you hurt feelings that, of that was guys, embarrassing that was that was embarrassing yeah, um, amongst the long list of embarrassing things that he said over the years as he's been in power um yeah you see that's that's what i'm worried about because you said something before is his 
the way he thinks and the, the, the calculated moves he makes, is it a reflection of him and his personal beliefs? Or is it what he thinks majority Sincerely. Canadians want to hear? Or does he really sincerely think I'm a feminist? Um, no, well, we shouldn't say uh, humankind. It's people kind. Um, no, there's not enough money for for a war veteran that went to Iraq and 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 lost uh, in Afghanistan and lost well, the leg. There's, there's not enough money for you. Do you really like? I question the sanity, really, of these politicians when you have well, the gall to say such nonsense. Well, his feminism is certainly fake. When he rallied the, when he circled the bandwagons on Jody Wilson Raybould, there you go. Thank you. Objectively speaking, truth to power, his feminism is certainly fake. When again, how Emanuela was attacked, and she's a female politician, yep. or how some of the other, like uh, I forgot the name of the specific member of parliament, but she made some allegations. Uh, she was a she was a black MP from Ontario. Yes, who said something like I don't remember exactly what writing it, it, it escapes my memory, but there was that. And of course, you know the way that he's been conducting his foreign policy, the fact that he still to this day, the, the fact that Canada still to this day conducts any sort of business with objectionable regimes like Saudi Arabia that practice a form of what could be considered gendered apartheid Absolutely. against women, the way that women are treated in the Middle East, like come on, at the very least, be intellectually consistent and honest. Like well, it's mostly can't. it's most it's mostly the virtue signaling that we're seeing. Now, yes. some of it could in, indeed be sincere. We don't know. Certainly, Trudeau maybe being a bit more open or maybe being a bit more transparent to clarify. You can always seek that, but a lot of it is, in fact, the virtue signaling that, unfortunately, is our reality right now with social media, which isn't helping at all. It just scares me, Nick. It just scares me how we're we're perceived. I I, I truly believe that this uh, this party has pushed back Canadian relations and Canadian how we are looked upon on the international um, platform. Yeah. Yeah, pushed us back years. Honestly, I I don't think we're looked upon favorably. I think honestly we're looked upon as a bunch of clowns right now. Yeah. And and I also you know what's this? What is this fantasy? And I've 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 talked about this endlessly. What is this? This almost cult like or this this thing of spending and giving money to countries that have yeah, no I have bear, have no bearing on on I know. On, I have on, some, yep. When, when, see, this is how do you give money? Maybe you could tell me why. How do you continue, continuously give money abroad for this cause and that fucking cause and this? Oh, we got to fix third world problems in, in, in the pandemic and help them deal with it. We could, when you have the gall to tell one of your veterans during a town hall that there's not enough money yep. for him, yeah, fucking piece of lying sack of shit. Can you, can, can, I know. Can, what is this? Is it just is it just like the little boy that's not popular in classes? Let me give money all over the world and they're gonna look up him. I don't know what can you explain this to me, Nick? I don't know. Does, does it do anything politically yeah. for him? Well, he certainly spent an unnecessary amount of money to try to, to for Canada to try to secure uh one of the non-permanent seats in the UN Security Council. I'm like, <laughs> can we not? Now there are certain moments where 
a sense of common humanity is absolutely required. So like what happened in Lebanon with the explosion in the in the in their port, that we sure. need. We need to so we need to show some common humanity and compassion. Or another example that I think of in these cases is uh I don't know if you remember in 2010, 2011, there was this huge typhoon that com- almost completely wiped out the entirety of the Philippines. Yes. So in those moments, we do need to show some compassion some support we send you know experts to help rebuild infrastructure uh to help to sort of clean up the place first help to rebuild the infrastructure make sure basic needs like food water medicine and other medical needs because we do have that ability and we should be proud of the fact that we have that ability yes we should in those common moments help out but then again it is an objective slap to the face when again the veterans who I try. I wanted to serve at one point in the armed forces, but my collapsed arches, flat feet per- precluded me from doing so. Mm-hmm. Or like when veterans aren't getting enough uh, support, especially those veterans who, for the most illogical of reasons, have to continue to prove, oh, my leg hasn't grown back. Like, like there was a case of that a long time ago. Or how you don't have enough reason, like enough money to to again rectify for example the objectively horrible thing of the boil water advisories across indigenous reserves that is another thing that we could deal with though to certain not so much push back on what you say uh, luigi though i do understand where you're coming from yes. if you look at the actual budgetary allocations because i want to provide objective facts here the sort of foreign aid thing it's a small relatively small percentage of the budget like the huge part of the budget that happened that is passed every april and again I would advise you and all your listeners, this April, May is going to be when the next budget is going to be introduced. The mm-hmm. fact that we're in a minority government situation, if the NDP or the Bloc or the Conservatives don't support the Liberals, I doubt the Conservatives are going to vote for them. And I doubt the Bloc is going to vote for them. Like the Conservatives and the Bloc have effectively come up with their own little, I would say, block themselves, for lack of a better word. So yeah. if the NDP does not support uh, the liberals the on this, and maybe the three green MPs. Election time, and I have a couple of things that I need to say on the issue of elections, just so that we can clarify that because that's important that we need to clarify. Um, a lot of it again goes back to the virtue signaling. Oh, I'm holier than thou. I'm better than thou. It's often like that. That that is sort of the thinking process. It sort of get some of that political like that virtue signaling capital that you can spend elsewhere when certain things come up again like you try to get the seat but in reality in reality we're we're, we're the peacekeepers we we want to maintain that historically peacekeeping role but we don't necessarily need to do that by constantly having a seat on the security council we could just exactly. do it ourselves come on i mean the un let's let's i'm not even want to get into I that know. You see, but I I, I I agree with what you said because I remember coming. I wish I would have kept this a list of contributions that they have the the liberal government had given money to other countries internationally, and you know none of those were on those list of worthy causes. I, I understand that we need yeah. to maintain a certain, you know, just human compassion. I understand that. Now, yeah. if you're doing this, Nicholas, and you're taking care of your your own house. I'm taking care of my two kids and my wife and I'm giving Nicholas money. That's fine. But once again, it's, I'm going to go back to that, 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 that veteran that had the courage to ask him in a town hall. You, yep. I, I will never get this for me. 
that that would be for me would be enough to put him in jail just for that fucking response honestly okay for treason for whatever the hell you want and god knows what else he's done when you if your house clean then no problem you could go clean out other countries and help them out that's not a problem but don't go doing that and then you have that response for a veteran and 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 another thing which i wanted to discuss and i'm glad you brought this up I've always been very intrigued, and I'm so happy that you said in terms of that you studied the history of it. And I'm aware of the residential schools and all that and, and how we, yeah. we basically stole and, and raped and pilgrimage and yeah. savaged yeah. our own natives it's here disgusting. and stole their land. Yeah, it is. I want to know, I want to try to know and understand why we can't get it right to these people that we stole their land and why can't we just get it right when when they say that, what is it? Two thirds of the tribes. I, I talked this last time. Two thirds of the communities in Canada or Quebec don't even have necessarily uh, running water, clean water. I mean, we're not in Flint, Michigan here, guys. We're in Canada, yeah, and I you're know. telling me two thirds, or it was even even maybe higher than that, do not have even the the basic human need water clean water why has the government gotten this so wrong for so many years and i'm not just pointing the finger at the liberals obviously of course um is there a solution i'm thinking well on that front i think there's all maybe it could be some form of i would say discrimination or prejudice maybe that is a factor We, we always have to consider that as a reality First and foremost, me, me, secondly, are, you try, are you trying to say that they can't fix their own? We've given them enough; they can't fix their own problems. Is that it? They're a bunch of drunks and that, and, and and drug addicts. Some of the like, um, yeah. So that's what I said in terms of like the so I would say prejudice, uh, in terms of oh, we've given them enough, or all indigenous people, uh, just to make this as an example, like all indigenous people are drunks and can't do anything. Or you know, white man's hand, or some like stuff like that. Part of it could be that, but a large part of it could also be, you know, existing legislation like the Indian Act or mm-hmm. other things that may be there, or structural issues such as you know the way that the bureaucracies themselves, like Indigenous Affairs, is structured. Yes. Maybe get rid of the department in general and find more efficient means of of supporting them, uh, or maybe it's like once these indigenous people, like the indigenous band councils, like their actual political leadership receives the money, you know, potential lack of accountability and transparency and how that money is spent at the local level uh, as well. So there are like different levels of transparency and accountability that need to be looked into uh, an analysis on are these departments like the Department of Indigenous Affairs in Ottawa or the provincial counterparts, are they actually doing their jobs properly no, as they're well? Not. They're useless. They're useless and they're racist in itself. They really are. Um, yeah. So, so here's the thing, right? You got two guys from Montreal, maybe just one, two bozos from Montreal, right? That that coming up mm-hmm. with some solutions. It, none of this ever comes into the mind of a politician. How does it work? I mean, I, I never, I was never really involved, but I always in politics, and I always sometimes I say, do you actually think there's people sitting around in a room and saying, yeah, I think this is a good idea. No, it's not a good idea. Guys, come, can we come up? Look, you just came up with some solutions. Can we look at other things of how we, we are handling this, the, the, the indigenous 
scourge and, and problem and, and centuries. There's no other way to look at it when we just maybe looked at it and looking at it in different angles, or is it just really not in their interest because it doesn't really, it's, it's politically, it's doesn't, doesn't do anything for them. But you know, probably, probably, probably it's an issue of like, it's not in their, it's not in their interest. It's not on their radar. Again, the possibility of prejudice, as I said before. So like, they said, just leave them alone. Let them leave them to their own devices. Maybe you know they're benefiting from this lack of uh, lack of attention as well. I don't know. Like I will not. I will say this outright. I am by no means. Uh, I would say I. I am by no means studied this issue. I'm just using. I would say uh, logic and reason uh, to look at this issue from that perspective. Again, I have. I have a couple of friends of mine who are indigenous themselves and I've had mm -hmm. conversations with them about it. Like the one thing that truly still breaks my heart to this day is the issue of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Like, yeah. come on, like, can we get that right? Like, sure. They got, the, they called the commission, like one of the few good things that the liberals did when they were in power with a majority from 2015 to 2019 was they actually called the commission on the truth and reconciliation commission on the issue yes. of indigenous women, girls that are missing. We needed that. Yes. They came up with a list of suggestions. Why don't we actually listen to those suggestions and implement those those suggestions so that we can avoid this? Because any group of individuals, you know, the women and girls missing, if that was like the Italian community who was feeling that or the Greek community that was feeling it or the writ large, the whole Quebecois population in Quebec, there would be an outcry. There would be an outrage. Like police, like the police and other groups like the SQ and the RCMP would be actively working on that. I yeah for sure I just find that um it's it's just going in the you know instead of saying I'm sorry I'm sorry for the, how we treated you I'm sorry for what we did to the Koreans I'm sorry what we did to the Italians when they arrived I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry instead of saying sorry just do something about it sorry is not enough because it's it's just lip service it's not doing anything for us and by the way just um on what you said about those women missing indigenous women, there is a podcast from CBC podcast. I don't recall the name, but look it up. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a fantastic podcast that delves really in detail about all those missing indigenous uh, women. Uh, I don't yeah. know the name, but just look up CBC, just Google CBC podcasts and I'm sure you'll be able to find it. It's fantastic. So, um, yep. for, for all of you that, that enjoy a podcast as well. Um, mm -hmm. one, one last thing I wanted to discuss with you is yeah. I've always looked upon because, you know, the great thinkers and the great minds of today are, are bringing up and discussing this a lot more. And I'd like to get your opinion on this. Um, yeah. Do you think there's, there's a, a time and space for the way we are running our lives today for less government? When I say that, I'm not talking about anarchy or utopian society. Of course. I mean, are there any examples that exist? Can we have less government intervention? Because really, when you think of it, and this was brought up in Joe Rogan, and I love the way he brought it. It's so simplistic. Is that really, what is a border? A border is an artificial line that doesn't even exist on a map, right? Mm -hmm. What makes you American? What makes me Canadian? Right? So mm -hmm. what I'm saying is, is do you ever see 
a time and place in the future when we have less government intervention in our lives where they literally dictate everything from what you know what language our kids could say how much taxes we pay in essence makes us you know and how much money we make what we contribute to society are we middle class are we high class are we low class are we poverty level do you ever see that happening do you ever think that nick do you ever even thought of that i've thought i've thought of it a little bit and again i just want to reiterate one of the points that i said uh beforehand that government itself is a reflection of what people want and what people desire from government it, but it really is what, it is it that's some of, some of it some of it is but as well again constitutional realities how the constitution structures the government the in, original intention of those who founded the country so the fathers of confederation like sir john a mcdonald or in the united states like thomas jefferson and george washington and alexander hamilton uh so like their thoughts uh, and feelings on the issue as well and of course right now exceedingly uh the issue of interest groups or factions as uh they were called uh by the american founding fathers i think it was in federalist paper 10 where they discussed uh the issue so the on the issue of faction sort of capturing the power of government for their own and, and instead of thinking of the collective good or like the collective mm -hmm. will of the people so but that's that's what i'm talking about right because any any society any any company evolves and just humanity has evolved so these confederation these constitutions have been written how many hundreds of years ago but yet humanity yeah. has changed so maybe government has to change as well we can't we i don't see it, i don't see this as sustainable moving forward i'm not talking about the next we have to look outside the box i don't know maybe Maybe you're saying Luigi, you're you're out in the you're out in the boonies. Maybe you're out in left field. I don't know, but I just try to. I'm trying to say we have to look at life, society differently. Can it be done? I look at it this way: laws and regulations can be relatively easily changed as long as there's the political will. Culture itself is very difficult to change. Mm -hmm. It can take generations of, of a sustained effort in terms of education, in terms of sort of changing people's minds on the issue of what government can do. One of the, I know that, I know for a fact in Canada, we have like, I think it's the Institution for Liberal Studies that I think you should look into in terms of like having authors based in Canada mostly that discuss the issue. Uh, I've seen them. I've seen them once yes, uh, tabling at. Uh, I've I've seen them table once at the Manning Center for Building Democracy, uh, conference that I uh, attended in 2015, uh, the year that the Conservatives lost power. Like I went there with a couple of friends of mine in the Federal Conservative Party. Uh, like we went on the train. Like the train between Montreal and Ottawa is just beautiful and very very peaceful ride. I honestly, because again. You know, United in the United States, the, the maxim is like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, yes. liberty is one of those core elements. Here in Canada, it's peace, order, and good government, <laughs> which is, which serves as the underpinning of Canadian political culture and Canadian political uh, realities. Canadians, by and large, though, again, I don't mean to, I would say, generalize, but Canadians I, by, by and large. 
<laughs> Canadians, by and large, expect a lot more from their government in terms of providing for their their healthcare, for education, for other things. Well, there so you there hit are, the nail. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah, Maybe the expectations. It's, to, it's the expectations. Maybe it's time. You know the old adage: "Every man for himself." Maybe stop being so reliant on the welfare state like we've we've made in Quebec, right? Because now it's so easy to fuck the government, not do anything, just have kids and you make more money than you go and get yourself a job. Really, what are, what are you contributing, right? What are you contributing? That you're making future, you're adding to the population in Quebec, but you're not individually adding anything. Yeah. This, this reliance on government, this is what I'm, it's the mindset that needs to change. Well, if it benefits them in the short term, why give up the benefit, right? Like you have to think of that. For me, for example, I'm a 32 year old single guy. I'm I've been paying into taxes. Like I've been working legally since 2006, so I've had other jobs before where under the table cash. But mm -hmm. that's what happens when you're a teen, right? You get whatever you can get, right? Of course, of course. I've been paying into the tax system since 2006 paying into ei paying into the quebec and canada pension plan and other things that i'm now recognizing uh right now like all of these benefits like i know for you for example as a parent like i know that you have like the uh like the like uh children's tax credit no not tax credit but like children the, uh like income supplements or something like, child, that. like child allowance every... and just just yeah, so that, that i don't have it oh i don't get it because our family income is too high Okay. Well, so basically, I'm, I'm penalized general, for making too much money. <laughs> okay. Well, to say this, like many of those benefits cater to those individuals because typically they need the support because raising children, I can imagine, is a very expensive thing to do, like to get the yes. clothes and the extra food. And I understand that. For someone like me, like I've been contributing all this time. Am I getting anything out of it? Like, am no. I getting, like, I'm, I'm getting nothing from it. Like, the one thing that could have helped me out. A little bit during this pandemic when they were discussing the issue of you know the CERB for people getting two thousand dollars a month if i could say this in terms of how they did it i would actually argue they could have saved a lot more money two thousand dollars like two thousand two thousand five hundred dollars a month for everyone unemployed hours severely reduced about outright eliminated for someone like me if let's say someone like me who again i've spent a lot of money during this pandemic getting a whole host of things like the chair that i'm sitting on for example to work from home or my mm -hmm. cure rig to make my coffees or you know like this water bottle that i got uh from a canadian uh youtuber uh called linus tech tips where i'm learning about technology if let's say i would have been given like five hundred dollars to one thousand dollars of a income supplement from the government direct a month, or if my taxes would have been reduced by a thousand dollars a month, that would have given me a whole lot more money to work with in terms of spending it, uh, spending even more, stimulating the local economy. Like I have now, I'm making a concerted effort. For example, I play video games casually. Mm -hmm. There's a video game store. If I could just say this, completely off topic, folks, if you want to play video games, go to Retro MTL in Hochelaga. They are the best guy. They are the best folks to go to. Cool. I support local businesses like that. Like that's where I got my NES and a few of my SNES games that I play, like from way back in the day. So mm -hmm. like I got I get them from there. I've supported like local artists, like uh, you know that orange cone that you see sometimes around Montreal Ponto? Yes. Like I, I, I absolutely adore that character because that like the, the artist 
completely has made the most hated symbol of Montreal into a very adorable thing. Like I support that. <laughs> I, I try to support like let's say like like again like the the hoodie that you see here or other things that I get like Marvel or Star Wars stuff. I I try to go to like geek fashion based in Gatineau instead of ordering stuff from the U.S. So like yep. I'm actually paying into the local system. If I was given another one thousand dollars a month as an income supplement first the many times that I've had to finish work early because I had legitimate like anxiety attacks, wasn't feeling well. And because I'm technically living by myself, like again, the social and physical isolation, like I, I, I had to like finish work early, watch, you know, the Mandalorian or Star Trek mm-hmm. discovery or some of the stuff, or like I've been watching a lot of like reboot, for example, from way back in the day, that extra thousand dollars could have helped me out when I finished work early because of those factors or, me, you know, like me being the responsible person, I'm actually investing that money. I could have invested $500 more into RSP and $500 more into the TFSA that I opened up. Yeah. So it's like that could have been something like I would have actually gotten something out of that because, I've, again, I've been contributing into EI and everything else since I started, yet I never actually pulled anything out during the crisis. Like I kept yeah. working. I think if I could, could just. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Just, go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I was, no, I, I was just going to. I was just going to say that, you know, economically, you brought up a lot of good points, right? I mean, that could have been done, again, so differently. But it, it goes yeah. back to my point is that I think we need to get away from this relying on government to tell you what to do, to tell yeah. you to pay for your pay for you, um, support you, and continue giving that its dependency, Nick, so nothing will ever change until the society keeps on being dependent on their government to tell them yeah. when to go even take a shit. So um, I'm thinking, I'm just thinking that it. I think it's time to rethink how we look at government and looking like Jordan, um, Jordan Peterson says, take care of yourself first, mm-hmm. change your ideologies yeah. Take yep. care of your own house. Clean your room. That's what he says. Yep. Stop. I actually, so, I actually received so, his yeah. uh, Beyond Order book in the mail uh, a couple of days ago, so I'm happy okay. to, to be reading that. Um. So I think that's. I think that we that that discussion needs to start, or maybe not a discussion, but start to rethink of how we see government. Um. We have to. Everything evolves. Everything changes. Everything. I know. So I think government and how we interact with government, our dependency on them, I think should change. That's the way I. That's the way I see things. That's the way I see things. Um, because I don't what like may, government being in my bedroom. Go ahead. Sorry. What may happen soon, and if I could sort of get this, say this in terms of what may end up happening, given the ungodly amount of money that we've spent. Yeah, is we're going to have to come to a reckoning where we make some tough decisions, and I mean tough decisions. Like, given what happened to Greece, for example, during its debt crisis, like the level mm-hmm. of austerity that we saw in Greece in terms of like how severely cut back the pensions were, uh, how their overly bloated uh, public bureaucracy was completely gutted. Like, they really... Like they really took like a lightsaber, like not like a scalpel, but like a lightsaber to cut yeah. all the fat off and even. We some need of the that muscle. in Quebec. We need that yeah. in Quebec. What may end up happening in terms of that 
is we're going to have to like we're going to have to pay the pipers at one point. We're going to have to consider okay, federal government, you do maybe three things: national defense and national security. So we need our armed forces and our veteran support, CSIS and CSEC. We need them. Mm-hmm. Foreign policy and international trade facilitation. We need that, mm-hmm. and we need maybe, and of course we need a couple of coordinating agencies that help with health with Health Canada. Like we need them to help coordinate certain things, maintain minimal minimum national standards. We do need one a regulatory body to help make sure that you know carbon like pollution and uh, environment. Like we do need some stuff like that, and maybe one other thing just to help promote. I would say scientific progress and all that. But then other than that, everything gets completely removed. Everything gets completely divested. Whole departments are, are whole scale liquidated. Their assets, all the people are let go. And that's that. And brought Provincially, to the provinces? Here in Quebec, mm. Either brought to the provinces or just completely eliminated from, from the recipe altogether. Going to it. Quebec. Going to Quebec. Mm. And again, as well. You know, prime minister, cabinet members, members of parliament, their salaries are cut by at least 40 to 50 percent. At least. At least. Now, going to the provincial government, we, of course, would have to get rid of a lot of, like, again, unnecessary bureaucracies. Again, have your health. We need our health ministry because we need doctors and nurses. We need some sort of coordinating agency that makes sure that the doctors and nurses are doing their jobs properly, that people are taken care of. Education, though education, again, you can sort of inform me on this because you're you're a parent, but all of like the, like the school boards, get rid of them. Unnecessary levels of bureaucracy. Just have, you know, one thing dealing with it all. English and French. Uh, have some public security with the SQ, and that's it. Like completely get rid of the QQ, like the OQLF. Get rid of a, a lot of the. I know it's a pipe dream. I know it's a pipe dream. But I'm just saying, ideally, like God, any I of these things, were, like ideally, get rid of all of this. Like all of the again, all of these unnecessary bureaucracies that don't do that. Like I don't feel the effect uh, here. So. Ideally, getting rid of all of it so that we can finally pay off large parts of the net of the debt. Now, another thing that may happen, and there have been discussions about this, and I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think mm-hmm. that there's going to be any sort of political will on this, but it has been discussed. Is the idea of what is called a debt jubilee, where large parts of the debt are just written off, like not the entire thing. On the but provincial like, level? On all levels. Okay. This was an idea that was floated at one point during yes. the debt crisis in Greece, where large parts of the debt were written off to give some relief because when you're thinking of cutting debt, when you're thinking of like slashing the debt and cutting bureaucracies and programs and that, you do need to consider the human cost and the human element because I do know, and this is what also scares me about that fact, Like I understand the necessity to rationalize in government and making it far more effective and efficient. But at the same time, to not so much push back, but just to sort of provide the other side of things, we do need to consider the potential for the human cost of such cuts because I do remember, and it scared me and it caused me heartbreak, to see my people in Greece, like the native suicide rate in Greece has skyrocketed during the height of the debt crisis 
when what little they had was already cut, while again, you know, past prime ministers of uh, Greece who facilitated it on a bipartisan basis between the Panhellenic Socialist uh, Party, PASOK, which is now defunct, and New Democracy or Nea Demokratia, like the center-right party, mm-hmm. like they, they went at it, like both of them f- set this up. The same thing can be said about the United States, where you know the Republicans are so beholden to the military and the industrial complex. The same thing to extent to the Democrats, and as well, you know, like a lot of the Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid, like everything has to go. Again, the American government in in Washington D.C. stays within its constitutional lanes, and everything else is brought back to the state governments where they belong, according to yeah. the Tenth Amendment. He- You've said so many, so many great ideas tonight. And just, uh, I, I wanted to end with this, guys. Do you know that Quebec per capita has the highest number of civil servants in not surprising. Believe, North America, if not the world? Um, not surprising. I believe there's one civil servant for every six or seven Quebecers. Think about that. Um, so that, what you said slashing useless red tape after red tape and we're so good at it here in Quebec would be a great start um but i you know as you know i don't see that ever happening uh where a government will eliminate useless bureaucracies after useless bureaucracies um but honestly nick i really love the ideas that you came up with tonight um you gave me a lot of uh, clar- uh, you know, clarity and a little bit more explanation in terms of certain issues, and I thank you for My that. My pleasure. Um, I think we have a lot more to talk about, so I definitely would have to have you back on the show again because we'd even get My back. Pleasure. We'd, even, we'd even probably get halfway through of what I wanted to discuss tonight, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it's fine. It'll leave room for for a second. Um, a uh, second appearance on my show. So um, on that note, I really want to say thank you so much uh, for being on. Uh, can you tell the listeners where they could find you on social media if, if, if that's if that's something that you wanted to, uh, to share with them? Well, I don't really have a social media presence, though if you want to follow me, like I post maybe a few funny photos on my new Instagram profile. Uh, my uh, thing is CaptainYolo562. Um... You can find me there as well if you're part of, uh, like, you know, the Pantelis Nation, patreon.com slash Pantelis. You can find me on his Discord server, the same thing with the Jofos and the same thing with Dirty Force. You can find me there too. Again, awesome. posting the very occasional meme and very occasional article. Uh, Luigi, it's been an absolute honor. I hope to, to be on your podcast again. And certainly, yes. just to remind everyone watching, us two will be appearing on Joey Laflamme's uh, podcast, the Saturday afternoon podcast on the Dirty Four channel, this uh, Saturday at two thirty PM Eastern That's Standard right. Time. That's right. So, thanks everyone for uh, for uh, watching tonight, for listening, and uh, a lot of the comments in the comments. A lot of just the usual usual suspects: Melanie Asaf, Mike Andrew, Jess Sorrell, Dirty Four, uh, Tony Cheech, Dario. Uh, so many, so many. Milan, thank you, Milan. I didn't read any of your comments. I didn't put them on the screen, but I saw them all. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And I will see you next week. And once again, don't forget, me and Nick will be on uh, the Saturday afternoon podcast at 2.30. So thank you once again. Nick, stay on. We'll have a chat off air. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great evening. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Agree to Disagree show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about it. Until next time.